So Luke 4, 38 to 44. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. When the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because, he knew, because they knew he was, the, he was the Christ. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Let's pray. Lord, thank you um, that we can gather here together. Thank you um, that you give us um, your word through the Bible. Um, And I just pray that you would speak through me now um, and that we would all be changed um, by you and by what we hear. Amen. Um, I've just got a short video um, clip which some of you might recognise to start off. Um, So some of you have probably seen this Ron Seal advert before, or one that's similar to it. And because of this advert, the phrase, it does exactly as it says on the tin, has become a well-known catchphrase. It's a great slogan, because everyone remembers it. But it's also so good, because it's actually what people want. The paint claims certain things, and the advert suggests it delivers what it claims. When we buy something, we want it to do what it says that it's going to do. This is the case of what we buy, but it's also the case with people. When people say they're going to do something, we want them to deliver what they claim they can. At this point in the book of Luke, we have just seen Jesus and he's just started his ministry. A short time earlier, Jesus has been to Nazareth, his hometown, and he stood up in the synagogue and t- to read the well-known passage from Isaiah. And we can read this in Luke 4, verses 18 and 19. Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. He is proclaiming that the spirit of the Lord is on him. Jesus is the person that is going to bring in the kingdom of God. And we can see from Jesus' reading of Isaiah that there are three main parts to Jesus' mission. To proclaim God's kingdom, to be an advocate for justice, and to have compassion. Jesus is claiming that the spirit is on him, that he is the anointed one and that he is going to do these things. This is Jesus' mission statement laid out at the start of his ministry at the beginning of the book of Luke. So it's within this context that we look at our passage today. So with this in mind, let's take a closer look at the passage that we're focusing on today. Jesus has been preaching in the synagogue in Capernaum 
where he's also removed a demon from a man. And now he's at Simon's house, accepting hospitality from Simon. He's going to be having dinner um, at his house. And Simon's mother-in-law is ill. And so they ask Jesus to help her. Jesus rebukes the fever and it leaves the lady. Immediately she gets up and then she starts to serve food. And then later at sunset, many people come to Jesus to be healed. In this passage... Jesus delivers what he says about himself in his mission statement. To use the Ron Seal catchphrase, he does exactly what it says on the tin. Let's look a little bit closer at what it looks like for Jesus to deliver what, um, what he says in his mission statement. Firstly, Jesus does what he says at inconvenient times. We're told earlier in the passage in verse 31 that it was the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath was a holy day, people wouldn't have been able to go out and about in the daytime except to go to the synagogue. But when the sun goes down, um, this symbolizes the end of the Sabbath, and so people would have been free to go out and about. But when it gets dark, um, it's also a very dangerous time of the day. Not only dangerous, but also it's the time of the day when people would have been securing their animals and locking up their homes. The city would have been on shutdown. So it's a risky time of day to go out, and it's also a hectic time of day for people. It would not have been the time of day to go and visit a neighbour. It's likely that Simon's neighbours would have also heard Jesus preach that day and see his healing of the demon and possessed man. And perhaps by now they would have heard that um, Jesus was at Simon's house and that he just healed his mother-in-law. So even if it was rude or countercultural to come at this time, they were desperate to see Jesus. They were attracted to him. Can you imagine if they turned up and he just, um, and they'd plucked up the courage to go round to see him and he just said to them, I'm too busy. Or, can you catch me later? Now's not a good time. No. Jesus doesn't turn them away. He does what he says and he delivers what he says, even at this inconvenient time. And one part of my job in Cutslow is to run the community allotment project. Um, and I work with the year five class um, each week. And a couple of weeks ago, um, I'd finished the allotment session and I didn't take my coat and it had been raining really hard and we'd all got soaked. And I had about, I dropped the children back to the primary school and had about half an hour to go home and get changed um, before my next club. But when I was coming out of the school, a mum stopped me and um, she asked me if I had any time. She looked clearly stressed and like she wanted to talk to someone. And, but then she saw me soaking and told me, don't worry. On one hand, I was soaking and I really needed to go home. But I've also known this lady for a few years. And I know that at times she doesn't really want to share um, very much. She doesn't usually um, want to have an in-depth conversation. Um, but I've recently got to know her a bit more. And I knew um, then that I had to take the opportunity right then and there to give her time. While she was needing it and while she wanted it. So I said, yes, I can give you some time right now. And we found a quiet space, and she shared what was troubling her and asked for some advice. It was an inconvenient time, yet this lady had stopped me to talk. 
She needed time and space right then. She knew that I was someone that she could talk to and come to, and I had an opportunity then and there, and I needed to deliver. And I needed to be ready to speak justice and love into her situation then and there. So Jesus does what he says at inconvenient times. Secondly, Jesus does what he says for all who come to him. Even in this short passage, we see many people of all different types come to Jesus. There's Simon's mother-in-law, and then people with various kinds of sickness. In this day, um, many people who were sick um, were poor people because they couldn't afford a doctor. So I imagine that many of the people who came to Jesus were poor people, but not exclusively. These people could be physically sick or mentally sick or perhaps with a disability. And Luke also mentions demons. Tom Wright helpfully explains that for someone with a demon, their life is an absolute nightmare, that they're enslaved by a destructive force. So whether they are rich or poor, have a demon, a fever, or a disability, Jesus responds to their request for healing. And they see God's kingdom at work in their lives as Jesus casts out demons, heals them, and restores them. Jesus does what he says for all who come to him. Thirdly, Jesus does what he says with power and authority, but personally. Jesus says that he has the spirit of the Lord on him. He has power and authority a healing power that comes from God. But Jesus chooses to use this power to show that the Spirit is on him to bring healing to these people, to bring restoration and freedom to their life. The healing power that Jesus holds is an amazing work of God, showing Jesus' power and authority over such things, and that Jesus is who he claims to be, the Lord's anointed one. But the method in which Jesus brings the healing, I think, is also significant. Jesus could have healed every single person in one go just by speaking. We see that he's capable of this when he heals the centurion's servant later in Luke 7, just by the power of his words. However, Jesus' mission is not just to show God's authority over these things, but to show God's love and compassion for his people. Jesus has power and authority, but he is also personal. Jesus lays hands on every single person. By doing this, he takes time to show the individual that they are significant, that they are loved, that they are valued. Jesus doesn't need to touch people to heal them, but it seems that this is how he chooses to work. To touch someone seems to show love and care for the individual. Touch is a really powerful sense. It's our first sense. And research shows that a gentle touch can relieve pain, reduce stress, and that people feel most comforted when they are touched. So the touch is important, but also the time taken by Jesus to really show love and compassion to each individual. These people who are ill or people who are generally in need of God's restoration in their lives, 
need to know that they are loved as well as be healed. And one of the people who first showed me Jesus was a friend at university called Emily. And, and one reason I was attracted to Jesus was because she was so different. From the first day that I met her, um, she really genuinely wanted to get to know me, wanted to listen, wanted to spend time with me. She really loved me, even when she didn't agree with me at times. And when I was having a hard day, she told me, tell me that she would pray for me. It was because of how different she was to the other friends around me um, that I decided that Jesus was someone worth exploring. Maybe there's a neighbour or a friend or someone at school or work that you know that really needs your love and time. Not just a quick hello, um, but some real time that you can share with them. Some real time to love them and to pray for them. By taking time to heal the people individually, Jesus shows them that he is powerful, that the spirit of the Lord is upon him, and that these people are significant. He takes time to make sure they know that they are loved and that he has come to set them free from this life. So Jesus does what he says with power and authority, but personally. And there's a person um, that I've been working with for about four, for over four years. Um, and there's been times when she's made my life um, personally difficult with verbal abuse and poor behavior in youth clubs and my general worry for her. Um, she's been in trouble with the police and she's um, been in prison for a short time. And she's also been homeless. And she makes poor choices, but I think that's partly because she's hurting so much. And throughout the time that I've been working with her, I've been trying to show love and compassion to her, even at really inconvenient times. I've welcomed her back, I've hugged her, listened, given her time, fed her, been an advocate for her, shed tears over her. And there aren't many people, if anyone, who has stuck by her. But I can only do this because of this privileged position that I'm in. Because I know that God's amazing love and grace in my life. I've been able to not give up on her. Because I believe that God loves her and wants to and can heal her. Last week we went for coffee. um, And there's a video um, called Falling Plates which really um, describes and explains the gospel in a really youth-friendly way. And I'd shown her this video about two years ago and she really loved it at the time. And we've not, and we discussed it at the time, but we haven't really, she's not really mentioned it very much since. Anyway, this week, um, when I saw her, she brought it up again and said, do you remember that video? I want to see it. Um, and so we looked it up on YouTube and we discussed what she thought about Jesus and God um, off the back of watching the video. She, she wasn't, she's not convinced, um, but I think there's something about God's message of restoration um, that attracted her to the video and to Jesus. She couldn't pinpoint um, what that was herself, but our conversation continued, um, and I asked her, why do you think I do what I do? She didn't really know. And I said, I don't just do it because I'm nice, but because I understand how much Jesus loved me so I can love you and I can forgive you. And like this video explains, God loves you that much too. Like in our passage today, the people who are attracted to Jesus, they come to him. 
He shows them compassion and they receive healing. But he also proclaims verbally the good news of God's kingdom. I've shown compassion for this young person, but I also do and need to continue to proclaim why. She wasn't convinced, um, but she went away thinking. And I hope and pray that the Holy Spirit will continue working in her and drawing her to Jesus. As Jesus' mission statement suggests, and as Jesus shows, we need a holistic approach to mission. Jesus verbally proclaims the kingdom, and then we see in our passage that he acts by healing and showing compassion to the people. When Jesus is urged to stay, he responds, we see in verse 43, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. Jesus must continue preaching and doing what it says on the tin, because his message and actions are not just for Capernaum, but for all people. So for us, in our different contexts... We are all called to partner with God in bringing his kingdom. We are all called to be Ron Seal Christians. Perhaps you're at school and you have a friend who, who you always look out for. You're loyal to them. You show them compassion. But you haven't shared why. You haven't proclaimed the good news to them. Maybe this week you could share something of the good news, something about Jesus. Or perhaps there's someone you work with who knows that you're a Christian, who you've had some great conversations with, and you've been able to share something of the good news with them, but you haven't taken time to love them, to really love them, to show compassion, to be there for them when it puts you out, or to pray for them. It's a huge challenge to follow this holistic approach that Jesus uses. But to build God's kingdom, we must proclaim, and we must take time to love. We must do what we say. I want to leave us with a few questions. Um, They'll come up on the screen, and then um, we'll have a few moments to um, just think about them, and then Phil will come up and um, lead us in some worship. The question is, do we do what it says on our tin? Do we love, really love? Do we seek to heal and pray for people or proclaim the good news? And what's one thing you can ask God to help you with this week, which would help you do more of what it says on your tin?